welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. This show is all about the world of first-person shooters, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. It is the will of the drowned god, Cathala, that our communities band together to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. What's up, keepers of the faith? It is I, your friendly neighborhood motherload. This week we've got a really, really cool guest. It is the return of Hakita. I think he's the fastest returning guest we've ever had. I, who else has returned? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Point is, Hakita's on the show. Uh, we're catching up since he, you know, uh, since the last time we had him on the show, he's become, you know, an employee of New Blood and Ultra Kills become this gigantic, super fucking awesome thing that everybody's talking about on the internet. Uh, who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk that uh, old mother knew what the hell he was talking about? But I did. And now you can check out the demo for Ultra Kill on Steam, the new and improved prelude. Uh, it's been polished up and, you know, just spit-shined the hell out of by, you know, Dave and the boys over at New Blood, as well as, you know, Hockey to working his ass off. And here we're going to talk about, you know, just... What's changed, um, all for the better in my opinion, and what he has on his mind for the future of the game as we you know move into, I don't know, I guess early access, and it's always a pleasure to catch up with Akita, just talk to him. It's not just the game stuff, but you know, like music and movies and art in general, just everything. We're gonna learn a whole lot about Ultra Kill that you probably didn't know before. Uh, so sit back, strap in. Get ready for a wild ride. This is me and Hikita. Before we get started, uh, I do want to say that this music that you're about to hear is from a chapter of Ultra Kill that you haven't seen yet, probably. So, listen up, enjoy it, and when it's over, we will be in the keep with Hockey. Been very busy because of all the stuff that's been going on with new blood recently. So that's like mind blowing to me that that happened so quickly. Like I, I didn't even know it was gonna happen until Dave told me on the podcast when I had him on. And yeah, uh, well, it was. It's been happening for well, it has had been happening for a pretty long time by then, but it was kept sort of under wraps. Yeah. For the most part. Don't want to play your cards too early or whatever, but yeah, that was really cool to hear that you 
kind of got exactly what you wanted. It seems like. So how do you how do you feel? Yep. Like, what's what's changed in your day to day? Well, not much, honestly. It's it's mostly the same, except I just have a lot a lot more help for whenever I need it because the new blood guys help me out with the game whenever I ask for help. And I have to worry a lot less about marketing since um, Dave takes care of all that. So luckily, I can just focus on the game itself. I guess the where I want to kind of start with it is how has the game itself sort of changed maybe creatively? What is the influence you're getting from these guys? Are they are they giving you good advice, you feel like, or is it like uh, you're totally free to just do whatever the fuck you want? I'm curious. They haven't said anything like I have to do something so far, so everything has just been suggestions given to me, and for the most part, they're good ideas, because like... You probably uh, played the up- updated version of the demo, mm-hmm. and you can probably tell that it's a pretty big improvement on the previous version. So what, in your opinion, what are the the improvements? Oh, mostly sort of in terms of um, level design, it's a lot more interesting visually, even though it's still continuing the um, sort of monochrome orange style that I wanted to use for the prelude. But there's a lot more detail going on, then there's a lot more... Uh, there's more like uh, uh, things that make it clearer because like the doors used to just be gray. Now they have like green lights on them and like all the, all the, the whole pacing has been tightened up a lot more. So the arenas are shorter and the game flows much nicer. I think that's about, yeah, that about sums it up <laughs> from what I could tell. It just like, it feels so clean and crisp now. I, I was actually kind of blown away like when I first booted it up the demo. I literally just expected exactly the same thing as before. And yeah, I was like, wow, man, this is so much better than I remember, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, it's it's sort of uh, it's been a recurring thing in the development so far that I keep feeling like okay, this is the best it can it can get and I'll just keep going like this, but then I keep going back and improving things over and over and sort of haven't found the haven't found the ceiling for quality yet. That's awesome. Is is the deal like they hired you? Like you work at New Blood now, or is it like a contract about the game? Or can you even say is it just Ultra Kill? Like you're here for Ultra Kill and that's it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's sort of. I just looked over the channel paperwork. Like, yeah, this seems about right, and I didn't try to overthink it because. That kind of stuff just stresses me out, and I trust the new blood guys a lot to not fuck me over because they have been very good about that. No, yeah, they're cool. They're really cool guys. Especially, I mean, Dave's amazing. Fucking, he's kind of a, he's an interesting guy. He's like so charismatic. I I didn't realize this when I had him on the show, but he is like a big pro wrestling fan, and I'm also yeah. a big pro wrestling fan, and he actually has that kind of vibe. Like that over the top like personality vibe, mm-hmm. where he like seems like he's putting on like almost a bit of a performance, but it's really cool to like. You might you might think it's a performance, but I can promise you it is not. <laughs> no, I, I just mean like he, it's his personality. He's like an over the top, yeah, larger than def- life kind of character. He's got that vibe about him. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a character, and it really helps with sort of the public. Um, because as a sort of face for New Blood, I think he fits perfectly. 
because multi games are a bit more subdued, but the spirit is sort of uh, shared among everyone, and they're all really nice people. But Dave is sort of the like if, if everything was dialed to two hundred percent, that would be Dave. Yeah, if you formed like Voltron, he would just be the head of Voltron. yeah. Yeah. So, like, who are you? Who is helping you specifically work on the game? I, there's a lot of great guys and great devs over there. I, I saw some really nice polish on those guns. How's that? Oh, I just I thought the guns were like excellent. And I, did you tweak the sounds at all for the demo? I think I did. Yeah, at least for the revolver, I don't remember about the shells gun. Okay. For the revolver, I added a new impact sound because Dave was saying that the revolver didn't feel as impactful as it should. But like, uh, who who's put hands on the game at this point? Like, as far as the people that are helping you? Well, mostly I'm just doing everything still, except for like all the models and stuff that are still uh, done by people that are working on the game, like outside of New Blood. But sort of uh, like for the most part, what I get out of New Blood is sort of uh, um, suggestions, advice, and like general help if I need something. And mostly it's just. Uh, well, mostly it's Dave, sort of, as we uh, go do run-throughs of the game, and he'll sort of, we'll discuss, like, how he feels about the game and what we could tighten up and stuff, because Dave is really good at spotting out sort of flaws and little things that could be improved. Yeah, I think you're, I don't know, you're you're just, like, on such an interesting little journey, like, right now. It's really cool to kind of watch this happen from the other side so one thing that i was like kind of wondering about is that you posted a little while ago i think you posted a picture of like a, a f- almost phallic looking building and you were talking about how like, we, we talked about this before how the game is sort of a dante's inferno kind of allegory and so you're gonna each set of levels each episode or i don't know what you're calling it but these are going to be like the nine rings of hell yeah if i understand correctly yeah okay so having you know really polished up the first episode how do you see the next several of them kind of fleshing out and order wise and theme wise because it it seems like you had a really nice concept as far as like representing each one of them well i don't want to spoil anything but uh at least for the sort of first act which is the first three layers it's the ideas have sort of already been fit into place, so it's just about execution at this point. And then after after that's done, we'll get the game out in early access, and then I'll be I'll start thinking about the later layers. So it's all just a concept at this point, and you're yeah, flying by you're flying by yeah, the pants. Yeah, because I I prefer improvising a lot, because. A lot of a lot of uh, people sort of think way too far ahead, and then they end up not getting anything done. So I'm just sort of I really only think about what's happening now and in the very near future, and that's just letting ideas sort of come naturally. And I think that gives it a sort of organic flow. So this is like mostly solitary for you. You're just like hanging out at the house, doing some coding, polishing some things up, and then kind of reporting back a, like. W- weekly or something, getting getting feedback from Dave and then going right back into it. Is this like yeah. a full time gig at this point, or? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't have anything better to do. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But <laughs> yeah, but like daily, it's sort of. I mean, uh, like I I do work on it pretty much every day, 
though I do take a couple uh, break days every now and then, but it's mostly sort of, uh, most of my work time is sort of half working on it. So it's like, I'll be working on it and then I'll check on like Twitter and stuff and I'll work on it and go back and forth like that. It's so much better of a work pace than just, just like, okay, here's our eight hours and we're going to start at 8 a.m. and end at 4 and all that. That's nonsense. I I feel like <clears throat> kind of the same way where I, I get a lot more done if I'm just kind of free to like do it when I feel like it. Yeah, there's been like experiments, I think, where reduced work hours actually increase productivity. So you get more out of less time because people are more, more motivated to work and they don't run out of steam like halfway through a work day yeah if you can kind of like take a it's a separation between i don't know how it is there but in you know france and spain are kind of like this where you, you get a really long lunch break in the middle of the day and then you come back in america we're very like just push through get it done it's like almost a you're praised if you just skip lunch and get it all done that kind of thing i don't know we don't really value relaxation or I, i'd say pacing yourself as much yeah yeah that's something i've been luckily i've been able to avoid since i haven't had a quote-unquote real job ever so i'm just sort of working whenever i feel like i can get something done and sometimes that means i don't get much done like in a day and sometimes it means i'll work 10 hours in a row yeah i mean if that works for you that works for you it's definitely paying off dude like nobody can say that you're not doing exactly what you set out to do at this point like You've manifested your own destiny. You grabbed life by the horns and you rode the bull. And now you have to stay on for the eight seconds. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's mostly luck. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you think that? Do you believe that it's like a, a luck thing entirely? Uh, not entirely, of course. But like, I do think it's largely been luck so far because I haven't really, like outside of just working on the game, I haven't really done much in terms of like get, trying to get it out there. But it's sort of has been uh, organically spread around and has been working out for some reason so far. And I kind of feel bad because there are so many indie games that I think are much cooler, but they never really reach an audience. I think you're just the right guy for the job. Like I, I know of several other games that I could very easily compare to your game, and some of them are really fucking awesome. But, you know, having touched around and felt around a little bit and gotten my idea of what the landscape is i think you're just the right guy for the job like you put out this vibe and your work ethic speaks for itself that's something that you know dave said a lot was like it's not just that you know your game is awesome it's that you felt like a good fit like you're you're you have a a pace and a work ethic and a and a vision that speaks for itself and yeah when i would when i got into like the new new blood internal i it was just like it was just like an immediate fit that like i felt like i was just right at home already without having to like get used to it at all that's beautiful except for like the fact where these people have like experience in the industry so they they were like they're, sometimes they're just talking about like someone and i'm just like who Never heard of this guy. <laughs> I go through it a lot. It's uh, younger too, and I get people that bring up some like, "Oh, do you know so and so? He was the character designer on X Y Z game from two thousand three." And I'm like, "No, I don't fucking know what you're talking about." Got it? No, that's crazy. But I've like, I don't know. Over time, just doing this show, I've learned so much, and then I almost feel 
I get like imposter syndrome when I'm talking about someone and people like assume that I've known this all my life. And I'm like, no, I just learned about this guy like yesterday or I learned about this game like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. It's, it's funny. And there's a lot of, yeah, I get that a lot as well because there's a lot of people who sort of assume that like everything that in Alger Kill has been sort of, well, a, a good example is the whole um, uh, shotgun self parry thing, which is really popular now. Mm-hmm. Is that in Ultra Kill, if you punch right after you shoot, you can punch your own shotgun projectiles to make them go faster. And like a lot of people are like, oh, you're such a genius for coming up with that. But nah, that was a bug. <laughs> that was a bug, but I just made it a feature because it was cool. No, that's probably the coolest thing about this game. And it kind of, I don't know, it seemed to go under the radar for me like the first time we talked. the extents uh, the extent of how much you could really play around with this game and it's funny yeah. that you say it was an accident because there's how much how many different examples of like accidents that you made features can you give <sighs> well let me think at least uh, the most reason like there's a couple things that i don't even understand but the speedrunner guys understand because there's something uh called super slide jump Shot into SSJ, which is it's sort of like a one-frame trick where you can get a you can get the speed of a dash jump, but without using any stamina. And it's something to do with slopes. I just I I have no idea. So <laughs> that's a thing. But then more sort of more uh, official, I guess, stuff like there's a technique called slam storage, mm-hmm. which is. Um, if you if you do a ground slam while you're near a wall and then you wall jump, you will still you will like reset your momentum, but you will still keep the um, slam state. So once you hit the floor, you're still slamming, and then when you jump, you get you get like a really high jump because of how much air time you had with the wall jump. And uh, just just like it's it's stuff like that where it's sort of usually things that start out as bugs, and then I just try to keep them in even if I change some stuff. Because I recently changed some stuff about how the slamming works, but I wrote into the code like a special exception to still make the slam storage possible. When you were designing the different movement aspects of the game, did you have like an ideal uh, this is how someone would move and play the game? Or has it, it was it more like a, I just want to have these particular features and then we'll see how people get creative with it? Yeah, it's a, it was just like, because I'm really not like an expert in terms of designing FPSs, so a lot of the sort of uh, community has been a lot very helpful in finding the direction that um, Ultra Kill has uh, sort of organically gotten into. But it was just like starting off, I just wanted to give people as many options as possible so that everyone can find their sort of own um play style where it's like oh some people really like sliding some people really like dashing some people really like jumping around a lot and stuff like that so i just wanted to keep things as open as possible so that everyone can uh sort of because because a big part of what i really love love about especially fighting games is sort of player expression which is Mm -hmm. that even 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 if you have 10 players playing the same character they all play the same character differently because of sort of the choices and actions that they do, like what kind of moves they use and what kind of strategies they use. So I tried to sort of 
um, apply that to ultra kill as well so that you have a lot of um, so freedom to find your own style in the game yeah ultra kill sort of made me kind of self-conscious when i was playing it because i i just felt like there's so much freedom in the movement and every time i would make a mistake or i would die i would think like i must be doing something wrong and i'm sure over time we're going to see people come up with like the ideal you know like fastest most efficient way to move you know people figure things out all the time maybe we'll never get to the exact exactly to the tip top of that mountain but definitely there's gonna we're gonna see people who are really good at the game you know when they play it online and stream it as they play through the whole thing and go to higher and higher difficulties yeah there's a pretty amazing speedrunning community already it's it's like they're very active already even though it's just a demo so it's been very fun to follow that sort of uh, evolve over time and how how certain things have affected it because uh, I, I've been so the way I do like the way I deal with speedrunning is sort of I try to keep any bugs that are so like bugs that can't happen on accident I try to keep them in so the speedrunners can still take advantage of them but sometimes there's still just like stuff that uh, sort of I can't keep in because there used to be an out of bounds glitch but when I added a sort of even I added a crouch state that ended up not being uh, possible anymore, so it's not like I don't even know where I'm trying to go with this. But basically, just like I try to I try to keep a lot of so, the tricks that speedrunners using, but uh, sometimes it's just not possible without having without like having to redesign whole things and I'm just like it's not it's not worth that much work to keep like one out of bounds bug in. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like you're kind of what's the term? You're chasing a red herring or a yeah. wild goose chase kind of thing. Like you, you don't you don't have to worry about that kind of shit. Like those people are gonna find it anyway and they're gonna exploit it and if you try to like make it walled in and stuff, it, it's just gonna drive you insane. So yeah, and you, you've been very generous. Like you've been very cool about like you know I want people to kind of exploit it, and you've like gone out of your way to try to make it a better experience. So that's more than you could say for you know most AAA devs. Even they don't give a fuck mm. about that. So. Yeah, well, the game is sort of inherent in in a lot of aspects. The game is sort of inherently broken, and that helps sort of because you you get a lot of a lot of sort of footage of like bugs and stuff on mm -hmm. Twitter and YouTube and stuff and most people don't really seem to mind because it's just the tone of the game sort of allows for that whereas like if it was a serious game uh, like a, a tragedy or something and then you fall out of bounds you'd be mad but in this case it's just like oh that's that's silly so what what's been your experience just generally having more attention on you like online when you've like you go from being relatively unknown to i think it really started when probably what g-man started covering the game and then you just had this influx of followers and then now that you're with new blood it's just like you're just constantly all over the place getting posted everywhere are you feeling that at all or do you generally kind of like stand back what's your kind of style with dealing with attention hmm. i don't really like i think it might it might come off as pretty egotistical but i don't really notice it that much like it feels sort of it's been a natural progression so far where it's like there wasn't like a single moment where it's like okay now i'm big it's sort of been a gradual and 
Uh, really, the only thing I noticed is that I spend a lot more time on like Twitter and Steam and Discord to keep answering people's questions and and trying to keep up with uh, suggestions and bugs and stuff. Do you enjoy that aspect of it? Depends. Sometimes it's sort of it really gets to you when it's like you you read the twentieth like bug report of the day and it's just like fuck, I don't want to deal with any of this. But then, like, you get a lot of people who are, like, really passionate about the game. And especially when I get fan art, it's just always, like, it's always such a motivation boost to see how much people really like a little weird project of yours. <laughs> it is such a artistically interesting game that I'm really excited to see. Because this always happens with New Bloods games. Is you put out a game with a character that's kind of nondescript, and then it seems like the community... Uh, tends to like totally describe it, and you're an interesting case because you you seem like you had a pretty clear vision of like what the lore of the story would be, and it's gonna be fun to watch the community kind of uh, tie it all together, and, or at least try to like draw connections and even yeah. potentially start a making up shit that you never even thought of. Like they're gonna like make connections and uh, you know. It's like when somebody tries to figure out what the meaning of a movie is, and they're like, well, I think so, and so, and it, that's really just good art. That's It inspires a lot of thought and a lot of uh, interpretation. Yeah, because the way that sort of Ultra Kill's story has branched out is that I sort of figured out the initial sort of theme or uh, idea that I want to explore with the game story. So I sort of tried to fit... I, I try to make make like I add all these different ideas all over the place, and then I try to connect dots into that one single sort of idea or theme. So I try to sort of I don't know, but the, it, it's like I, I try to keep it open enough still that like people can really find whatever they want out of the game because well, not every, anything, but it's like so that be, there's room for interpretation because i think people will enjoy the story more if they can sort of see themselves in it more than just here's here's a story that i wanted to tell and here's exactly what it means yeah i was was literally yesterday i was uh playing the original half-life again just to kind of i don't know put myself in that mindset for some stuff i got to do later and i don't know like that it doesn't age well, like that whole on rails thing, and like it feeling like I I am this character, and I have to just be fed this story the whole time, and not being able to constantly engage in the action. I don't know. It just didn't uh, hit me in the same way that something like you know any any name any other first person shooter that, that we talk about on the show, specifically yours. Yeah. yeah, being able to put yourself in the shoes of the main character and like. I don't know, like not having it defined for you is for me anyway. Like, and I think a lot of the people that enjoy this genre, that's just how we like it. You know, it's better that way. And that's a big criticism I had of the new Doom is that I don't know. I felt like they were giving me too much, and I just, I just wanted, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I definitely felt that as well. And that was that's that's definitely like when I was playing Doom Eternal. I really, I I love the game, but I wish it told me less. Because it feels like it was just giving me so much stuff that I didn't want to know. I like I like things being ambiguous, so I can sort of uh, f- like I can still like uh, 
think, oh, maybe it's this thing I like and not just like, oh, it's this thing, but I don't really like that thing. So, but, but especially with Ultra Kill, something I've always been trying to keep up is to, even, even though the game has a story and it has like lore and stuff, I always try to keep it so that you can, if you want, you can very easily ignore all that and you can just play for the gameplay and you won't miss out on like, you won't feel, you won't feel like you're missing out. Yeah, that's completely true. I I don't know why, man. I, Ultra Kill. I, I feel it's probably because I live in like my little echo chamber of like the games that I care about. But I like it so much more than Doom Eternal. It's insane. <laughs> and and I, people get mad at me. Like I like stop comparing everything to Doom Eternal. I'm like, well, that's supposed to be like you know infamously G Man was like this is going to set the bar for all first person shooters to come. And then we get the that was a cool thing that happened where people really compared your game. Like this is like the, the boomer shooter version of doom eternal. And I feel like that's not even fucking fair. Your game is so cool. And doom eternal, like, I don't know. It just, it didn't resonate the same way with me. Yeah. It's, it's, um, doom eternal is very interesting. And I think like more, like more than just it being a good game, which it is, I, I think it's, it's more like because of how, um, far it strays from the usual shooter formula. I, I think it's like easily one of the most respectable games that come out in like a while, especially FP, FPS games, because just like it was, it, it was so willing to take so many risks, and I think it's really paid off. Even like in the end, because it does have a very unique style to it and a very unique approach to combat in it, and. I, I don't think it's really unfair to compare Ultra Kill to Doom Eternal. Like it does slightly annoy me when people say it's in like Doom Eternal or a budget or something, because that kind of comes off as like, like like they're saying that oh it's kind of like it's not as good as Doom Eternal, but you know it's kind of it, you know it's cheap. So yeah, that kind of does slightly annoy me, but I understand the comparison because really. Uh, Doom Eternal and Ultra Kill are the closest, like in terms of style and the way the combat flows and works. Yeah, I I can see the comparisons in it. I, I understand where all that comes from, but I, I don't know. I just I think what you got going on is pretty awesome, and as you said before, it draws influence from a lot of other things that uh, are popular in the indie scene that people haven't really like. You know, there's the people who de- dive into that stuff, like you know, you're part of it, and you know, I'm also kind of part of it but the vast majority of people they don't really see stuff until it comes into the limelight you know like the the mainstream kind of way that people see games so when it's being you know pushed through marketing that they're used to seeing and all that they they see it then and not before so i've really kind of been on this kick lately right like when when you signed on with new blood i knew at that point that Ultra Kill is going to be like the benchmark of this type of game for a lot of people. It's going to introduce them to this style shootery, like PSX graphics thing that you've got going on that uh, a lot of people are, you know, are not aware unless they've been following the like, itch.io crowd, that like mm-hmm. the horror and indie game crowd. So, I don't it's going to start like a wave of kind of I don't want to say mimicking games, but it's going to a lot of these other games that you've mentioned like that are you know, kind of the same ilk will have a place 
in this kind of mainstream media. Like they'll be drawing comparisons. Like if you like Ultra Kill, then maybe you'll like this. And I don't know. I think it's going to set a bar. It's going to be really cool. I really, I I think that would be really cool. I just uh, just like if there are going to be people that are sort of trying to use Ultra Kill as a source of inspiration, I just hope that they sort of find their own voice in it because. Ultra Kill is a very specific kind of balance that, or like, even for me, it's not really something I can put into words, but it sort of comes naturally as a feel thing. Like, I, I can, something that I've been noticing a lot is sort of people, uh, when when people try to contribute to Ultra Kill, mm-hmm. like, if, I, if I'm not directly sort of aiding them or giving them direction, oftentimes it's, it, ends up leaning too far into one direction. For an example, like like uh, someone someone like gives an idea and it's like, oh, you know, it would be cool if this and this. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't feel ultra kill. So I like if there's if there are people who are gonna be uh, making their own style shooters and such, I I hope that they'll they sort of find their own voice in it and making making their own version of it rather than trying to sort of copy what um, how well, not what but how Ultrakill did it. So more like just use the same uh, um, ideas and mechanics, but like give it your own spin or something. Well, like one that really stands out to me in particular was uh, Effigy. I actually had Nate on the show a few episodes back, and that that game is so unique and on its own, and not the only comparison I draw, you know, with Ultra Kill is that it has like the advanced movement mechanics. Obviously, it's a first person shooter, and then that that same graphical style, but otherwise, totally unique, different kind of thing, and. The two are like, it's not like he looked at Ultra Kill like, I want to make a game like that. It's like he made his own thing kind of simultaneously with you introducing Ultra Kill to the world. And I just think that when Ultra Kill, as it does, continue to become super popular and introduce people to that kind of like, when they see that graphic style, when they see that movement style, and they see another game that looks like that, and I'm not talking about people who are making it because you inspired them. I'm talking about opening up the floodgates of what is already a pretty healthy scene of games like this. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I do hope that people will be able to like sort of take ideas from Ultra Kill at least because it's it's uh, because of the sort of approach of giving as many tools as possible to the player. I think there's a lot you can sort of take from Ultra, Ultra Kill and then fit into a more specific kind of experience and I, I would be really interested in seeing sort of how people adapt these kinds of weird um, nonsense ideas I keep having and sort of making them fit into their own different games. Yeah. It's just so surreal, man, because I remember when I first saw Ultra Kill, like I'm usually just kind of browsing around like, oh, what's new in the retro shooter you know, world? And your your game was so like not on my radar and then i can't remember i think it was smango from quakefans.net it's like man you should try this out you know and i thought nothing of it i'm like you know this will just be another one of these indie games that i tried out and i'll and and i have no problem with that i love interviewing just like whoever it's great and i i don't care about 
your fame or how many hits the video is going to get because of you or whatever. Like that's nice to have. And it's always great when that happens. But the truth is I just really am interested in people. And then when I first played the game, I mean, I I had a really great conversation with you and I connected with you like in, in a way that like, Oh man, this guy's really cool. But I didn't really get your game, you know, the way that I do now. Like when I played it again, the second time, it just like took on a whole new meaning for me. I, it really clicked in every way. Yeah, I think a big part of that is how much uh, the new blood guys have helped me direct the game because yeah. it's always been a big sort of feeling that uh, that the ultra kill is, and it's like, but they so they sort of helped me um, direct it more specifically and make it clear to other people what the game is trying to be and what it should be. So it's I think it's like especially with the response I've been getting to the new Steam demo, it's people are much like much more responding like responding much more clearly to sort of the game and the ideas it's putting down and stuff like that. So I think a big part of that is thanks to the new blood guys helping me find the direction and the very specific sort of um, goal that this game should have. You're a, you're a musician, and yeah. so, so like when you play, what, what's your main instrument? What do you play the most? Probably guitar or whatever. <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm more of a I'm I'm more into the writing music than I am playing it. Okay. So when you sit down to write a song, do you sort of like improvise with different things until you reach something that sounds good to you, or do you approach it with a plan? It really depends. Uh, sometimes I sort of just have it in my head and I try to put it down. And then usually because usually it ends up being a bit different, but then I'm like, oh, actually, what if I keep taking this into this different direction instead? And sort of I keep just mutating the original idea until it's something completely different. But sometimes I just have to go in and I start something as like, now nah, this isn't what I want. And then I try something else and now this isn't what I want. And sometimes it just takes a... So sometimes the best way to uh, get like something good is to sort of try to challenge yourself in some way. Because currently the most popular um, unreleased song for Ultra Kill is was actually started because... I couldn't really find a good sound for the last layer, but then what I ended up doing, I was like, okay, I'll just uh, I'll just try doing uncommon time signatures. I'll do a song in mostly five by eight or something, and then it sort of start, started to just flow out from like that creative challenge, and then it ended up becoming a bit of a meme where people keep people were making some memes about how I I'm. I'm uh, like a golem because I keep keep keeping the song to myself instead of releasing it to the wild. It's really going to be fun to see people play because when you when you have like a a game with uh, movement like this, people tend to get into a rhythm and and like kind of like nod their head to the music as they play. It's such a big part of it, at least to me. Mm. And it's going to be funny that you change the time signature in a in the gameplay. I bet you people play and move in a different way. I bet you they like change their play style based on what music you play and what time signature is going i don't like the way it's sort of it uh, the way i well 
at least in in that one specific example, which was that one last song, it's um, it sort of flows in a natural way still, where it's not like it's not like the time change, time changes are abrasive. It's more like the way that sort of classic game soundtracks used to use time signature changes, where it sort of um, it sort of has a natural flow to it that just kind of feels right. So yeah, I don't know. The way you dance to like you know EDM like doot like four four time, and then mm. when you dance to a waltz, like it, you can't help it. It's it's just naturally it changes your flow of movement. You can't do it any other way. It's a natural response for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you said what five five eighths time. That's probably pretty easy to translate for most people, but. I feel like if you really fucked with them, you could you could like pull some brain tricks. You probably have to bring in some like scientists from MIT or some shit to like really do the experiment. There's some pretty fucky stuff there because well, the thing is, it's not in five by eight entirely. What it is, it's it's like three measures in five by eight, and then one in six by eight, and then back to five by eight, and then one in seven by eight or something. So it's constantly switching between time signatures to keep a sort of flow going. Yeah. And like a system of a down song or some shit. I don't know. Do system of a down change time signatures often? I, I feel like they did for a while and then they kind of found their thing. But they, they do have pretty good examples of like changing the time signature a lot. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely possible because they do definitely. Because when you think of like uh, bring your own bombs, it's like mm. it, ha- it has a lot of different sections that are very clearly separated. Yeah. I, I haven't really paid attention, but maybe they do t- change time signatures as well. Listen, listen to the song Radio Video. I think that's a pretty good example of how they <laughs> constantly ha- like have these different, ever-changing ways. that They, they kind of do the same uh, verse and chorus switch, but they change the style of it almost every time they do it. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. I'm not a fucking scholarly musician. I'm like a I'm a jazz blues guy. I'm very improvisational, so I can really relate to that part of how your you know your brain works. Like when I, I sit down to play the guitar, I don't have like a symphony. I don't think about it like that. I just think about like you know I start playing a scale and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, that sounds good. We'll put that in the song. That's that's always kind of how I've dealt with it. Yeah. I learned uh, from teaching myself. I was like autodidact learner, not a classically trained musician. Yeah. And like, especially with a lot of the recent tracks, because I've sort of kind of halfway through development, I changed the sort of um, direction I went with the music. Because, you know, in the prelude, it's very sort of, it's very sort of riff based. It's like, here's a riff, here's a second riff, here's a third riff. And sort of based on these sort of um, repetitions of sort of general riffs, there's not really any melody in there. But then it was around level one three where I'm like, I wanna I wanna change this into like, I wanna go Castlevania, and then I just started sort of focusing a lot more on melody and sort of chords and stuff, and it has, I think it has made the soundtrack a lot more interesting in the recent levels and and way more memorable and catchy. Yeah, send me you know, an example of that uh, for the episode music. That sounds dope. Like I, I want yeah. to kind of like compare it front to back. Yeah, remind me after this. I'll send you one. Yeah, like sort of 
Oh yeah, no, no. I remember specifically. I remember specifically the moment that I decided to change the direction, which was when I found the soundtrack to the original Rise of the Triad. Oh yeah, okay. So yeah, from Civi, Civi's theme song. When somebody says music in Rise of the Triad, I just think Civi's theme song every time. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. I think it. I don't remember how I I ended up, but like at some point I was just. I was thinking of Havana Smooth. I think it was in one CD video. Yeah. I think it was the Alien Resurrection one. And I was just like thinking about that. And I was talking with soundtracks with someone else. And I was like, I opened up like the full album, uh, Rise of the Triad music and whatever on YouTube. And I, and I skipped to a spot. I'm like, wow, this is really good. And then I skipped to a different random spot. I'm like, wow, this is really good. And it's like, wherever you skip on the soundtrack, you're always going to end up on something really good and really catchy. And that was sort of, that was like an immediate moment where I was like, okay, I need to try to get this into Ultra Kill. Because while the music in Ultra Kill, it fits, it wasn't really very memorable. I could see that. Yeah, the opening track is really like, that's that to me when I hear that strong, I hear it's ultra kill, like it really sits there. But I, I see what you're saying, especially when you're comparing like those Bobby Prince, like almost jazz songs from Rise of the Triad, or they just well, Rise, totally of the stand out. Most, Rise of the Triad is mostly Lee Jackson. Bobby Prince did a couple of tracks, but almost the end, like Bobby Prince did like eight, and then Lee Jackson did like 30. Oh, shit. okay, okay. So that's mostly him, which is like it's it's bizarre to me how little attention Lee Jackson get, has gotten compared to Bobby Prince. I because you just told me that. I, yeah, I just... He's actually releasing a new album uh, right now, so be on a lookout for that because it sounds really good. Hell yeah. But like, yeah, that was sort of just like in general, that was like a moment where I'm like... Because the thing is, if I kept with the original direction, eventually the music would just be getting sort of tired, like it's like, oh, here's this again, and here's this again. And with Ultra Kill, I want to have as many different ideas and directions available as possible, so that it's sort of constantly evolving, constantly changing as the sort of arenas and visuals of the game, game changes. And sort of, actually, I kind of, kind of weird, like weird thing that I wanted to do with Ultra Kill is to sort of have accessible experimental music, which is I want to include parts of like all kinds of weird experimental genres and add them to the music in a way where it's sort of accessible to most people. Because in specific, something that I uh, I, I I was thinking about a while back is how like every like whenever you ask about ask people about like what are the best soundtracks ever, obviously they give all the standard answers like Castlevania stuff. But a lot of people say Silent Hill. And you listen to Silent Hill soundtrack, and it's music that most of these people would never enjoy if it weren't in a game. Yeah. So the way this, like, it takes this extreme dark ambient noise, industrial stuff, and it makes that accessible thanks to, like, the context that it's in. So I'm trying to sort of put all these weird um, uh, sort of the genres, like noise and... Uh, uh, industrial and like progressive rock and like minimalism and stuff and I'm trying to make those accessible to like a general audience so that hopefully people will sort of be able to find all kinds of new cool music thanks to uh, first experiencing a sort of a, 
um, streamlined version or like like a light version of it on the Ultra Kill soundtrack. So this is all the whole point of this game is for you to just bring music to the people. <laughs> well, it's, it's not point to psychologically planted into our brain. Well, I mean, like half of the things that the game has are references to music. So kind of, but you know, there's a good game there too. So what, like, can you give a specific example of like what in the game is a reference to music? Oh, there's so many. Um, already in the demo, we have, uh, for an example, there's there's Heart of the Sunrise, which is one one that's a reference to a Yes song. Um, we have the standard the standard husk is called a filth, and that's a reference to the Swans album from 1983, I think. And then the gray husks are called Schisms, which is the Tool song. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the purple drones are called drones because that's a reference to drone music, which is a technique in especially um, experimental music, which is a long single sustained note or chord. Then we have like, ah, uh, there's, then in like the first testament, there's a reference to a Lingua Ignota album. And it's like, Anything that's named in the like most things that are named in the game are named based on something that I like about like mu- some music that I like. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's all a big subliminal message. You're really fucking people over. <laughs> oh yeah, obviously, I'm I'm actually a mastermind, and so like it's all a secret plot to get people into good music. Finally, well, it's working. I guess I I feel like uh some people are going to listen to this and be like, oh yeah, I know every one of those bands, and other people are going to be like, who the fuck is Yes? I'm going to go listen to that just because you said it. So uh, we're we're both doing this. I think I think people know Yes at this point. Oh, but but you got to think about the. There's a lot of you know 18, 19, 20 year old people that listen to this show. But guarantee you don't know Yes. So they probably heard like you know Owner of a Lonely Heart. No, 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 man. They've heard Roundabout because of JoJo. I don't. Is, is JoJo's the the anime guy? The, is yeah, that- jo- JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a really popular anime right right now. Well, it has been for the last couple of years, especially in the West. But it's like, uh, and in the first season, as the credit song, they always used uh, "Yes, it's roundabout," and that's why it became a meme when you have the to be continued thing. That's from JoJo. I feel like every time you come on the show, you're gonna leave me with something I have to go watch. Because. <laughs> I did, in fact, I went and watched uh, Stalker shortly after the last time we recorded together, and man, that is a fucking good movie. You're yeah, yeah, it's great good. taste. <laughs> now, yeah, now, obviously, next you have to when we stop this podcast, you have to go watch Satan Tango. Just send me a list, just like <laughs> when <laughs> nah, I remind you about the music, you send me the list of what my homework is. Until nah, I'm, just, I'm just like, oh yeah, you should just watch Satan Tango, and then you go on item DB, and you notice it's seven hours long, and then you give up. That's not going to deter me. I, I, <laughs> I can get through. If it's good, I can get through a lot of shit. It's it's very good, but it's also insanely slow. Like it's so slow that when I watch I watch Satan Tango. And then after after that, I was rewatching Stalker for like the third time, and I was like, "Man, this movie is a lot faster than I remember. Maybe it should slow down a bit." If you feel like Stalker's fast, you're you're going off the deep end. You're- yeah, that's what I mean with Southern Tango. Like that's a movie where the average shot, le- shot length is minutes. What's well, it's interesting. I've been you know kind of thinking about film and 
it's amazing to me. Like the, I don't want to say the attention span of you know modern society has shortened, but I think like the way that we deliver things has made us kind of manifest that. And if you go back and watch like The Godfather, I mean, like th- these scenes feel like forever. And Stalker is a great example of when like they're they're shooting, and you get these long, long shots of just you know like the grass or like the koi fish, and you know swimming around in the water. And it's as you you were actually talking about droning music earlier. It kind of like creates that sort of hypnotic state, and we don't yeah. really get that in modern film as much. Yeah, that's well. Well, we do, but that's only in the sort of underground art right, right. Especially if you go watch um, a movie called Sleep Has Her House, which is an amazing movie. But you have to be in a very specific um, situation where you can watch it properly because it is an incredibly slow movie. It is an incredibly dark movie, like visually, just purely like it is mostly black, and it is an incredibly quiet movie, and it's sort of. That's the like, that's the kind of sort of really interesting experiences that that you can only have if you don't have something like uh, on the radio. Because because the thing about why everything is so fast now, everything has to be really snappy, and all the movies have to be quick, and all the trailers have to be fifteen seconds long maximum, is because people have so many choices with what they do now. So you go on like YouTube. And you see 50 recommendations, you see three trailers every video. Mm. And it's like at any point you can just click away and do something else. And that's why like a standard YouTube video can't be like, you know, three hours of a shot of uh, mud like Stalker. <laughs> and it's it's sort of because you have to be in a very specific um, environment to be able to properly get into that kind of stuff. So it's sort of, it's interesting to see how um, the world has adapted to these sort of, uh, because there's a thing with especially game advertising as well, is that things have changed a lot in, and now if you go to what's like GDC talks, what people say is that your game, if you want to sell your game, your game needs to be, you need to be able to show your game, like the whole main hook of your game in six seconds. Because it needs to be in a single GIF or GIF, if you want to say it that way. <laughs> like, because because that's that's the kind of attention that people are giving to all things because of how many things they are given. It's very hard to get attention because everyone's always thinking, oh, you know, I got to do this, 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 and there's this, and there's, oh, look at all these things. And, you know. I really think that might be an illusion where, like, telling ourselves because i for at least for me like that's not how i interface with things at all like i i almost always take things on reputation like it it's got to be a word of mouth type of situation i'm not just like looking for like oh that looks flashy or whatever like it's shiny new thing run towards that it's like you know so that's how i found out about your game it wasn't because like it was blowing up and everybody was talking about it It was because I, someone who i really respected a friend of mine said you should check this out and but here's the thing right when you when you like look at like uh, you, if you browse through like itch.io, you see a lot of games there, True. and even even like the way that people originally find out about these games, like like because you hear you hear it from like word of mouth. But where did that person hear it? Maybe word of mouth. Maybe they just saw a small video and they're like, "Hey, this looks cool," right? But the whole thing is that because 
people are like browsing through the Steam store and they have like 700 new games in front of them. You have to be able to at least make an impression on people with like just a couple seconds. Maybe you're right, man. You probably know more than I do. You're a big fancy game designer now. I'm just some dude. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. I'm a game designer. I'm not a marketer. So you have to ask Dave about that. So what's your take on the like the resurgence of demos that you were caught the wave of? How how do you take that? Yeah, I, like it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently because because you know I've been at the I've been a, a, on top of the wave in a way. But it's sort of been because a big part of the thing is that um prior to prior to like demo like the the reason demos originally um lost their luster, why people stopped using them is because AAA games are usually are AAA games are usually prettier than they are good to play. So you get you get more sales by showing your game and not letting people play them. But with indies, usually graphics are not the selling point. It's the gameplay itself. Right. Which means that get, having people get their hands on it actually improves your sales because they get to experience it and they're like, well, this is actually way better than it looked. Because that's a big thing with especially Ultra Kill is a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, I I didn't really care about this game, but I tried it out and now it's my favorite game ever. Because mm-hmm. it's like, Ultra Kill would never have so never have gotten like nearly as much attention if not the fact that people could actually try it for themselves. Because it's definitely a game that that's in, like in, sold entirely by its game feel and its gameplay rather than its graphics or any uh, cool technical achievements. No, that's a hundred percent true. It's like you, like I said, it took me more than one try to like really kind of find my groove in it. But once you do, it's like doing ballet or some shit. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's really it's really, like if if whether or not your game would benefit from a demo is really entirely based on what kind of game it is. Yeah, just like there's a couple, there's a car, well, I would say maybe there's very few games that I've tried out recently because of the Gold Steam Game Festival. And there were a couple couple of those that um, ended up being like, oh, I was originally interested, but then I played it and it wasn't anywhere near as good as I was hoping it to be. So sort of those are games that would have benefited from not having a demo because their gameplay wasn't Really, really there yet, but luckily, I reached out to a lot of um, sort of indie developers that I've played the games of and had issues with, and most of them have luckily been very receptive to feedback. Yeah, you know who to hold responsible if if it's an <laughs> indie game. Like, I'll just fucking email this guy or whatever, you know, find him on Twitter, and yeah, and there's there's definitely some unfortunate amount of people who are like like. They assume they they know their game inside and out. Like obviously they made it, so it's like, oh no, I know how this game functions the best. But then people often become blind to their game's flaws. Because a thing that happened with Ultra Kill, a very specific thing, like a minor example, but it's a very big thing that ended up uh, having a major effect on the game is that at one point. Um, David Simansky, which is the Dusk's developer on Twitter, was making uh, was mentioning about how uh, FPS games should have momentum in movement. And Ultra Kill didn't used to have momentum. Now it has very slight momentum, 
But it, that was like something that I was like, no, obviously it has to be as responsive as as responsive as possible. So it has to like not have momentum. But then once I actually put that in, it's like you realize you originally you don't realize what you've been missing because you think you know best. But then when you actually listen to other people, you might understand like, oh, actually other people have like this guy knew my problem that I didn't know about. And it's like, you know, it's a lot of a lot of people unfortunately don't really listen to people because they assume that they that they're wrong because I don't know whatever. <laughs> there's, there's always two schools of thought on that. There's the people who are just like, I just want to make what I know and what I believe in, what I like, and I don't need anyone else to tell me how it's going to be, and I don't care if it sells. And then there's the people who like, you know, are open to. You know, yeah, taking the words of advice like that. Yeah, th- this could potentially make me better. Like I'm open to changing my vision or changing what I thought. Yeah, the thing, the thing is that especially with the people, because like I, I have a really strong artistic vision with Ultra Kill, but you have to know that there's a difference between artistic changes and sort of technical changes because all the things I've changed, well. The majority of things I've changed based on feedback on Ultrakill have been technical changes, which have, which are improvements that don't change the vision of the game. Right. So, like, you know, like Momentum, for an example. It's, like, if I were to have added, like, Doom Momentum, where it takes, like, half a second to stop, then, like, yeah, that would have been a big change. But all I did was add, like, a couple frames of ease, ease in and ease out to your movement. And that didn't change the vision of the game, but it's really improved it on a technical level. Yeah. So, so you sort of people in general, I think, indie developers should be on the lookout for sort of um, ideas and at least try them out. Give them, give them a fair try, and then get some feedback from people. Because a lot, like. Hmm? Uh... Wolfenstein, right, had no acceleration whatsoever. It just like as soon as you touch the button, you're going full speed, and that was like making people get motion sickness. Mm-hmm. And then you know they improved that with Doom, where you had that kind of half second of building up your momentum and then slowing down. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and like that, 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 more human. Yeah, and that's exactly. It's like that. That kind of changed you. Well, like, you more. You might like think like in theory, obviously, or like oh, it's always better to have more control over your character but then there are a lot of small aspects sort of uh for like yeah like like you mentioned it me like having momentum in doom made it feel more human and it also makes the movement feel a lot more fluid and organic and it has a lot more weight to it it sort of feel it feels like you're moving instead of just like like being a video game uh, object sliding through a space, right? Yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah, that's immersive. the kind. Of, yeah, that's the kind of thing that a lot of indie developers unfortunately don't realize that they're missing out on by not listening to feedback. Because obviously, obviously, you need to, of course, know what kind of feedback is bad feedback. You need to know what's best for your game, but like, you can't just assume that the way you've done it is the best way to do it. Because that way, you, what you're gonna get is just like one of those games that people are like, ah, whatever. <laughs> now you've you've really you've done it, man. You're you, you now you have to actually deliver. But <clears throat> you, I have so much faith that you will. Like I, you're just like you're one of the people. 
I talk to a lot of people on the podcast and I, I love all my children equally and all that shit. But like, you know, you're one of the guys that I'm like, this motherfucker's cool as shit. Like I, I really um, like what you do. I like the way you operate. I like your thought process, your work ethic, you, everything, man. You, like, I'm yeah. very proud of what you've done with this game. Just Thank knowing you. that I can be in any way connected to it at all is awesome. So, yeah. And, and another, like just uh, when you said that, another example popped into my mind was very early in development is that Ultra Kill used to have pixel perfect hitboxes. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, obviously I was like, oh, you know, it's a great idea because it means that, you know, the games, you need to be accurate and it makes sense that you have to hit this and this. But then, like, sort of um, another person played it and he was like, he was like, you know, I I don't enjoy this because it means I have I can't aim on the go and I can't I keep missing things that feels like I should have hit them, and it's like in my initial reaction was like, uh, you know, well maybe this game just isn't for you, but then as I, then I tried because I was just, you know I need to give it a fair shake at least, and then I tried putting like bigger hitboxes on them, yeah. and it was like, yeah, this is way better. This feels so much better. And that would never, like, the game wouldn't, no one would care if it had fucking pixel perfect hitboxes because it would feel awful to play. And now, like, everything has twice, the hitboxes on everything is twice as big as they seem. And that really helps with the flow of the game and stuff. So, you know, remember to, remember to listen to feedback. That's, that's the main, that's the main takeaway everyone should have from this is just please listen to people when they talk to you. Yeah, always be open to, constructive criticism you can always improve it's never think that you're perfect you can always improve man it's yeah. a, that's something i struggle with a, a lot just with the the podcast like i had a, a fan reach out to me and be like hey i don't like it when you yammer before the show like i don't like it when you just say all the stuff before the, the show starts i'd rather you say it after the show starts and because i was always kind of scared like well you know if i want to push the the website or whatever i should do it before because i feel like people you know, are going to listen to that initial part and then get to the end. And then I realized that that's actually not the case. People want to just get straight to the interview. Like they want, I want to hear what Akita has to say. Fuck what you got to say, guy. And then they stick around afterwards. Like usually, you know, it, especially if they're being active when they're listening to something, they're, you're more likely to fast forward through the ads at the beginning of a show. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. That's what I do whenever I listen to the podcast. I skip through the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I just I never even thought about it that way, but it's actually, you know, what I'm once I've heard this amazing interview with you and this guy I'm like winding down or finishing up my run or whatever it is, and then I then you say, you know, like, "Hey, you know, thanks for checking out the show and here's the, you know, who made the music and who, you know, did all these kinds of things." And that was a huge improvement to the format of the show. So you should uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Never never think that your opinion is correct and until yeah, you test it. Yeah. All right, man. I don't have anything else uh, for you in particular. So, like, do you have any kind of last words you want to leave us with or plugs, thank yous, anything like that? Let's see. Hmm. Well, I guess, I guess, um, I guess I could <laughs> just feel for some games again. Because now that we have the Steam Games Festival, there's a bunch of interesting games. So, I guess I could, I could mention some of those. Which were obviously Gloomwood. Everyone should go play Gloomwood because it's fantastic, and it might become the best new blood game. And like, it's it's like the thing about Gloomwood is that it's a it's a it's an excellent get, way to get into a sort of genre that used to be really inaccessible. 
because the way that Gloom would work, it's very simple, it's very easy to get into, but you get this sort of, you immediately understand the ideas and and sort of then you can, thanks to Bloomwood introducing them, then you can more easily get into like the classics like Thief and such, whereas if you just try to play Thief out of nowhere, then you'd be like, what is this clunky, hunky garbage? I don't like so like even even if you're not into stealth games or you're not into immersive sims, you still try Bloomwood out because it, it's a very good entry point for those kinds of things. And the atmosphere is amazing and the sound design is amazing and you know, it's just a great game. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of New Blood. No, I agree with you hundred percent. I I played it and well, I played its demo, obviously, because it came out I think I think I played it the same day that I played yours, like in a row. I played it first, and then I played your demo right after that. And it's really funny. It's really funny how they've sort of become intertwined these games. Because yeah. there's actually there was actually a while back uh, guy. Hold on, let me actually look him up. What's the, uh, the Civi video is Ultra Wood. Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, there's this guy um, Davy that's at at one whole unit on Twitter. And what he do, what he's done recently was he drew a comic that's like um, V1 from Ultra Kill with Gloom Duck, Duck from Gloomwood together, like they're being friends. And it's sort of been this really fun sort of um, organic thing that happened where it's like they're, they're like complete opposites, but because of that, they fit together really well. And they sort of companion pieces in a way completely because of how different they are i gotta get dylan back on the show too i I know he's like balls to the walls busy in development and everything right now but if you if you see him around yeah i think he's taking a break right now so he probably doesn't want to talk about the game (laughs) yeah he's he was tweeting this morning like i don't fucking hate this game i don't even care anymore (laughs) He, he was working so hard like it felt like whatever I was doing, like I was just doing something else, and then I'm just looking into the new blood internal Discord, and it's like, oh hey, look, it's Dylan still working on the demo, and oh boy, was it rough when PC gamer like accidentally forgot to show the trailer. I felt for him, man. I I yeah. was like almost wanted to like send him a private message and just be like, hey, keep your head up, kiddo. But I knew that was probably happening so much. Like I'll just fucking let that go. Like that was insane to me. Yeah, he <laughs> got railroaded. Yeah, and it ended up actually. I like I don't I don't have the numbers or anything, but I feel like it ended up like working out because because of how like deep the ties are with New Blood and the community. Like, yeah. The, the amazing, yeah, the amazing community response ha- was able to not only spring back, but actually give Gloomwood more exposure than it would have had if everything had gone okay. Yeah, because all the backlash, people were like freaking out on Twitter and like, you know, like this is insane and, you know, posting it everywhere. And then they had the, they fucked up the website too. But then that guy, somebody made a, a website, like a, they bought that domain and then redirected it to the actual website. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Like, yeah, the New Blood community. These are these are some serious fans. Those are the true. That's what Ice T was talking about when he said, "You need those people that really fuck with you. You, mm. you don't you don't need a million 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 people to buy your record. You need a few good people to just fucking show up to the show." Yeah, yeah. Like if if it had been like Ubisoft with like a new Assassin's Creed trailer or something, then nobody would have cared. But because of this uh, this amazing fan base and community that New Blood has and 
all the all the fantastic content creators that that are in in connecting with uh, new blood it's like thanks to all these people it actually ended up going really well so you know thanks to thanks to the community thanks to all the people who keep up with new blood yeah I'm proud to be one of them yeah it's nice <laughs> it's nice to it's nice to be in good company Thank you to Hockeydo for being on the show and also for this amazing music and for making Ultra Kill. Thank you to New Blood for always being awesome and letting me indulge their amazing repertoire of developers. Also, just want to say like, thank you to you guys for being amazing and listening to the show. Thank you for supporting all of our supporters. You're all fucking amazing. If you are listening and you're like, damn, this podcast is dope as shit. I'd like to support their community in some way. You can go over to inthekeep.com. That is inthekeep.com. You'll see our merch and our support tabs. You can find all sorts of ways, including our Amazon affiliate link. You can send us fucking free money on PayPal. You can become a Patreon subscriber and get some cool, interesting perks like early episodes. And uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is, we love you, man. It doesn't matter what you do. If you like just enjoying the show, if you're just along for the ride, you don't have anything to give, we don't need it. We're just happy to have you. Spread the word. Go check out quickfans.net. Go check out the USQC. Go check out the MDF. Go check out Vince Steele. And until next time, stay in the keep. Oh, and by the way, folks, big announcements coming soon. Brought to you by the Drowned God.